What is up, everyone? This is John Calvin Chance, and you are listening to the Steadfast Devotion Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for clicking on to this episode. And please, check out our past episodes where we've had some anointing guests preach the Word of God. If you're not following us on all of our socials, we're on Instagram and Facebook at SteadfastDevo. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because we want to hashtag trend the word. And today we're going to present a convicting message that Trey preached recently at FPC Wichita named One Bus Stop Away from Hell. Praise the Lord, everybody. I don't have your conventional preaching shoes on. I got my sneakers on. I feel like having church tonight. I feel like God has a word for somebody. And with bus ministry starting off, it is, this just worked great. So I got a word. This afternoon, as we were preparing for the message, me and Brother Ryan and Sister Talika and John Calvin, we were, we were all at the church early this afternoon. And there was a, a man that was walking around the church. And, you know, our church is in South Wichita, so you get to see some characters every day every day so you know we just thought this was a, just, just another character and as we begin to look closely we begin to see a, a man with a bone necklace and he was carrying his, his little bells and he was walking around the church and sister Talika and brother Ryan they didn't know who he was they asked if I knew who he was I had no clue who he was. And he began just to walk around the church like he was trying to claim his territory. It's interesting when the devil begins to show his head in times of revival. It's interesting that he thinks that's the greatest time to raise up. When the church is full of faith, when the church is experiencing growth. And one thing the bishop taught me is he says, you can count on one thing at a fresh commitment. And he says that the devil will meet you there. The devil will meet you at every fresh commitment. He'll meet you at every, every season of growth and joy. He'll meet you in seasons of revival. And it's funny to me that in times where things seem to only be going wrong, the devil doesn't like to raise his head, but when things go right. It's interesting how he likes to show himself. I got news for the devil tonight. This does mean war. This does mean war. And I got the Holy Ghost. I got the power of God 
working on my behalf. And when the devil likes to show up, Jesus likes to show out. I've come to tell somebody that Jesus is in this place. That the angels of God have visited this church this evening. That somebody has got to be delivered of something they've been going through. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the joy of the Lord rising up in this place. Luke 14 and 23 says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and into the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I wonder if we could pray for just a moment that the Spirit of God would move in this place and will begin to move through our hearts and move through our minds and through our spirits that we may be in one mind in one accord. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of God would visit us one, just one more time this evening. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God will begin to work and move on behalf of your children. God, I declare tonight that a captive be set free. I pray tonight that a broken heart be mended. I pray tonight that the sick receive their healing. In the name of Jesus, and the church said, you may be seated. In Luke chapter 16, if you would turn to your Bibles for just a moment. Luke chapter 16, and starting at verse 19. It says that there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with just the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and they licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip just the tip of his finger in water that it may cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Two things stick out to me in this passage of scripture and that's the attitude of these two men. One man had everything and was in need of nothing. And the other was a beggar in need of everything. One man had a palace. The other man had a curve. One man had maids. And the other had dogs to lick up his sores. 
if it's one thing these two men had in common, it's very simple, is that one day they would both experience death. If it's one thing they both had in common, is that one day they were going to have to answer for the lifestyle they decided to live. I have a heavy heart tonight. I have a burdened spirit. I have been convicted this week. I want to preach on this topic just for a little while. One bus stop away from hell. One bus stop away from hell. It continues on in verse 25 of Luke chapter 16 that says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus his evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, it's getting ready to explain hell. It's getting ready to describe what it's going to be like if you do not make it to heaven. It says, besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Once a man writes his ticket to hell, there is no escape. There is no second chance. When the door is slammed shut, there is no opening that door. One interesting fact about the Word of God is that hell is talked about twice as much as heaven is. It's mentioned double the times of heaven. That's important to understand. It's important to understand that God emphasizes what hell is going to be like. Because at the end of the day, it's not the will of God that any should perish. But it's a choice. It is a choice whether or not you decide to make it to heaven or whether or not you decide to make it to hell. I remember very vividly listening to a sermon on the way to Oklahoma with Bishop and the First Lady. And we begin to turn on the sermon preached by Brother J.T. Pugh entitled, Your First Night in Hell. In which he begins to describe what your first night in hell is going to look like. And as I begin to listen to this sermon, I I begin to try and fathom what hell really is going to be like. It's a picture that when you paint it in your brain, will scar you, will scar any normal man if you will realize what hell is. Is really like. I begin to try and picture what it looked like, what what it might feel like, what what it might sound like. And as I begin to ponder these things, the chills quickly shot up my spine, and what I thought was going to be a peaceful car ride 
begin to turn into a session of repentance. When you have the revelation of how great heaven is, we're going to be dancing on streets of gold and there's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any torment. We're not going to hunger. We're not going to thirst. It begins to rattle in my mind. If that's what heaven's like, what is hell going to be like? I listened to the poised voice of Brother Pugh as he began to say, there are people under the sound of my voice and people in this wonderful congregation who in fact will spend the eternity in hell. People that you would never think. People that you thought would make it to heaven. People you thought lived a righteous lifestyle. People you thought without a shadow of a doubt they're making it. He began to describe to us that we're going to be shocked to see those very people in hell. One thing that we cannot stray away from preaching is the reality that hell is in fact real. If there's a heaven, there is also a hell. If there is a God in heaven, there is also a devil. If there are, if there are angels, there is also demons. Everything in the supernatural has a parallel. And if God did not want the men of God to preach on hell... He would not put it in the book. As Christians, we must believe that hell is a real thing. We must come to grips that people die every day and experience torment. Job describes hell as a realm of darkness. The Gospels describe hell with the gnashing of teeth. They're going to be grinding the teeth in their mouth. They're not going to break, but they're going to slowly crunch together and you're going to hear the roars and screams of people that are experiencing hell that is hot. Isaiah portrays it as a fire that cannot be quenched. Matthew, Luke, in the book of Romans explain the most grievous part of hell is not, in fact, the gnashing of the teeth. The worst part of hell is not the internal flame, but rather the most grievous part of hell is the eternity separated from the presence of God. I try to think of a day where I don't feel the presence of God. I try to think of a day where when I'm in pain, I can't be comforted. I try to think of a day when I'm being tormented in everyday life that there's not a spirit of God that gives me a chance. 
We emphasize the gnashing of teeth. We emphasize the hell that is hot. We emphasize the darkness. And we like to emphasize that we will not ever again experience the presence of God. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Hell in the Greek is translated as Gehenna, which originally was a valley of Hinnom, south of Jerusalem, in which they would bury and burn the deceased carcasses of animals. In this valley, they would take the rubbish and they would take the trash and they would throw it into the valley of Hinnom. The Bible begins to portray that hell is going to be a valley where the smell and the stench. If you have trouble sleeping at night now, wait. Well, don't wait. You don't want to go there. But wait and see what hell is really going to be like. Brother Pugh began to describe a dream that he had. His mother at the time was not living for God. Well, she went to another organization. And God began to, begin to dwell or begin to really work on the spirit of Brother Pugh. And he was so burdened to see his mother saved. He, he knew that... If the trumpet would sound and the rapture would transpire that his mother would not make it. And God visited him in a dream. And in this dream, his mother began to cry out the nickname that she gave to Brother Pugh. Began to cry out to her son And he couldn't find her. He was looking all over for his mother. And when he found her, she was pulled back down into utter darkness. And he had the image of his mother not making it to heaven. And he began to describe in this dream as body after body would be laying over each other. And they'd be screaming and shouting and, and trying to just get a drop of water to cool the, to, to cool the heat off of their tongue. Just, just one drop of water. And they began to climb over each carcass in hell. And he began to describe the smell that came to his brain and, and to his senses. And he began to smell the bloated bodies, the flies flying, the, the, the smoke. It was a nightmare. But it was planned by God. Because if without that dream, Brother Pew wouldn't have realized how crucial it was to tell his mother the truth. 
and he saw in this dream, in this dark pit, and in this valley, as his mother crawled her way through the bodies. She began to crawl to the top, and, and every time she'd get to the top, there'd be something that dragged her back down. And his hand was out reaching for his mama. Mama, you got to make it. I'm reaching, but you just got to climb just, just, just a little harder. Just, just, if I can just get my arm down there and grab onto your wrist, I might have you. And every time mama would make it to the top of those bodies, something would grab her ankle and pour it down. And she would shout the nickname of her son. Hell is a real thing. And there are people around us every day that are dying and are being tormented of a hell. When you get in the business of soul winning, you go to sleep and the people that you're ministering to are on your mind. And you begin to think, if I don't have a breakthrough in this Bible study, if I don't have a breakthrough on this bus route, and the trumpet sounds, all the people that I invested my time into, the people that I love, any person that when souls understands the fight trying to get one person out from the grips of hell. Just one person that's being tormented in everyday life. When you live in the presence of God, we haven't experienced hell. But people that are living in sin, the Bible describes them as living in death. People that you go to school with, people that you work with, people that you see in the grocery store. It might not look like it on the outside, but eternally they are going through hell every day. Soul winners fight every day against the demons that are slowly trying to grasp out the people. That you're reaching for. It's an everyday battle for one single soul. There are nights when the devil tries to mock you. There are nights when the devil begins to whisper in your ear that you're not doing enough. And as someone that has a burden for souls, you will constantly battle scrutiny from the devil. I got news for you. I got news for the church of the living God. That the only reason why the devil tries to discourage you is because the soul winner is the devil's worst nightmare. 
When a child of God gets the revelation of winning one soul, automatically there's a target put on that back. The devil realizes uh, that if there's just one soul winner, uh, then every day uh, there might be a soul that's ripped out from the grips uh, of hell. I understand why our church is so blessed. Uh, It's because we're built uh, to be soul winners. And the devil doesn't like uh, when a church uh, gets active in outreach. A church uh, that's active uh, in soul winning. uh, A church uh, that's active uh, in Bible study. You want to know why we're blessed? Uh, It's because every day uh, we're reaching for the lost. Compel my people to come in. That my house may be filled. It's very simple. We got a commandment from God to seek and save the lost. But as the devil begins to whisper in your ear, as he begins to deal with you in nightmares, as he begins to deal with you at night. I've come to realize that the only weapon the devil has is a whisper. Genesis chapter 3. You don't believe me? Watch. We see the serpent, the most subtle thing in the garden. He began to isolate that woman. He, he began to say to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Begins to whisper in the woman's ear. The devil knows that his whisper cannot turn into a shout. Because he cannot afford to get in a shouting battle with a child of God. He whispers, but he cannot afford for a child of God to hear him. So he whispers. He likes to whisper. If I whisper, then a child of God won't raise his voice. If I whisper, the child of God may not hear me. He realizes that he is the prince of the air. He also realizes that when you shout, you shred the air. His whisper will never be a shout. Because he can't afford for the prayer warriors to notice him. He whispers because he cannot afford for God to hear him. If it's one thing I know, it's that my God has all power in heaven and in earth. So I've come to tell a child of God, when you're going through a season of a whisper, the way you become victorious is through a shout. The devil doesn't like when you shout. The devil doesn't like when you get loud. He doesn't like when an apostolic. 
It's funny that the man in the beginning of the service that began to try and cast his spells upon a church wouldn't look at us in the eyeballs. He wouldn't make eye contact with us. We begin to confront him. Say, sir, what are you doing here? I just need to. Uh, oh, oh, man. I, The devil doesn't have power over someone that's got God. The devil doesn't have power over somebody that has the Holy Ghost. He began to walk around the building. Brother Ryan just told me, Sister Talika confronted him. And when she was walking, when he was walking around the church, uh, she said very kindly, you got to leave. You got to leave. And when he saw that Holy Ghost in Sister Talika, it wasn't Sister Talika that he saw. He saw the Spirit of God on the inside of her. Devil, you got to leave tonight. The devil thought he had us. God said you got to leave. Devil, you want to whisper. Child of God says I got to shout. There ain't nothing to worry about, uh, folks. I'm sorry. I'm sick and tired of people telling me, the devil is powerful. Brother Mark Brown says it like this. uh, I got a Greek word for you. Whoop-de-doo. If you think uh, that I'm scared for one moment, devil, I've got a testimony with an advocate that says I'm his child. I got a testimony that says you're baptized under the blood. You're baptized into authority. You're baptized in my name. Shouldn't we cast out devils in his name? Isn't there power in the name Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. Have you real you can be seated. Have you realized that sin always occurs in secret? He begins to whisper in the ears of the sinner. And in doing so, he has tricked the children of God that when you're going through sin, child of God just just whisper they won't notice what you're going through if you're living in a whisper begins to lie you know when you're going through sin child of God just be secretive 
the brethren won't see it if you're just quiet about it. If you're living in, in sin, just don't ask the brethren. Just whisper. If you whisper, no one will notice you. No one can see you. No one can hear you. Everything is fine. And he's played the game so well that the Bible says that hell hath enlarged herself. And if we cannot recognize when the devil is whispering, then soon our eternity will also be with the rich man who begs for a drop of water. One bus stop away from hell. Second Peter 3, 9 through 10 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that should all come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in a whisper, in secret. As a thief in the night. See, the devil, the devil has gotten us so used to being secretive, and he's got us so used to living in a whisper that now even Jesus comes as a thief in the night. We become so custom to living in secret that we fail to realize that even Jesus comes as a thief in the night in a whisper. What whisper are you listening to? What voice is speaking into that life? The voice that says you will die or the voice that says you shall have eternal life. God will not compete with the voices of the world. So he'll come as a whisper to see whose ears are tuned to the spirit of God. It says the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are there shall be burned up. The true apostolic church is at war with the devil right now. And I do specify the true apostolic church. Because it's easy to claim to be apostolic. Without really being apostolic. That Greek word there, apostle. The the root word of apostolic is apostle. And that Greek word there, apostle, is apostolos. Which means the sin forth ones. In other words, the ones that take the church from the four walls and take it to the uttermost parts of the city. One thing is for certain, that as a child of God, you cannot 
forget the commission. We are obligated to preach the gospel to every nation, every tongue, every people, every creature. We are sent by God for one purpose, and that is to be the warriors of God's most precious possession. I want you to realize what I just said. What God just said. That as a soul winner, God has given you the job to protect his most valuable possession. A soul. A soul is worth everything to God. What, if, what profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? I've realized very quickly in ministry that it's not our job to choose who gets saved. It's only our job to be obedient to the voice of God. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. And if you will learn to be obedient to God, He will lead you to the soul that is hungry. When you look around the city, and when you look around your community, it's very easy to tell that the devil has tried to set up strongholds. He tried to set up his kingdom around a city. Second Corinthians 10 and 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the pulling down of kingdoms. It's very evident that gangs have caused havoc on our city. It's very evident that drugs have begun to overflow in our streets. But it's also very evident that those very people are looking for something to fill the gap of a dark hole in their past. And as a church, it's our job not to look at past circumstances, uh, but to look at the soul that's within every human. I will never forget the day that God led us uh, to that crack house, Brother Nathan. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the day I, we knock on the door. And that smell of substance hits your nose. It started on a Saturday as we begin to knock the doors in the area that God called us to. A territory infested with gangs, murder, prostitution, drug, and sex trafficking. Do we realize that Wichita 
is one of the most sex trafficked cities in America. Do you realize that our city is one of the most infested cities with drugs and alcohol? It's a stronghold the devil has tried to place upon our city. Our city. Our city. We got bus ministry. We got Bible study teachers. We got people dedicated to knocking on doors. Because we're not content with what our city looks like. (laughs) I'm not content walking through neighborhoods with kids that are missing from homes. I'm not content with parents that could care less where their kids are. content with 14 year olds addicted to methamphetamine I'm not content with three year olds growing up without parents I'm not content with 12 year olds raising up infants but that's what we fight that's what we're up against. We're up against a city that's got a stronghold that seems unbreakable, that seems heavy, that seems impenetrable. That's what we fight against. I'm not content with gangs that rule the streets. I don't rep nothing but Jesus Christ. That's hood terminology. I rep Jesus Christ and nothing else. We begin to knock on these doors. We came to this broken down apartment complex. And as you walk into just the vicinity of that place, you step literally into the territory of the enemy. One of those things that make you Check your back and look over your right shoulder. Not a joke. We can. (laughs) I'm not content with complaining about the house of God that we come to. If we had better sound, I might feel the presence of God. <laughs> if, our, if our projectors would work, I, I might get engaged. If the man of God would just preach about heaven and, and would preach about that I don't got to give up anything, that, that I might commit myself to God, I might just think about it. 
and we complain about the tears in our pews. We, 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 we complain about the stains on our carpet and our altars. A battlefield is never pretty. A battlefield has stains of blood. A battlefield has got carpet full of tears. A battlefield's got people with some broken armor. But that's why we're a church. That's why we're unified together. When your shield go down, I got a shield for you. And since I'm protecting you with my shield, I need you to guard me with that sword. And I need you to walk into battle war. Complaining has got nobody anywhere. Ask the Israelites. Ask them 40 years in the wilderness. Ask the 400 years of bondage. Where complaining gets us. And we walk into this apartment complex. And I'm talking literal bugs and rats uh, that will scurry through your feet. And I'd be lying if at first I didn't look at those apartments and say, that's just a little sketchy. I don't know if I can go there. Brother Nathan's my witness. I'll be vulnerable for the first couple of months of our bus route. We didn't knock those doors. I confess. I was scared. But there came a day when we were tired of being fearful. Brother Nathan, get up here. I wouldn't feel right saying this without him. I need you to run a little bit. I don't got much time. Come here. This is my brother in arms. Where he goes, I go. Where I go, he goes. What he battles, I battle. And what I battle, he battles. And there came a day when we were tired of being scared. There came a day when we were tired of living in fear. Because we realized that behind the doors of fear were some souls that needed to be reached. What hid behind the doors of insecurity was lost souls destined for eternal hell. And there came a door that we knocked on. And as we walked down the doors of those apartments, a smell of that methamphetamine and crack and, and all these drugs that that would go into the nostrils 
one step, it was fear. And, and it was scary walking up to those doors, but, but we continue to walk. And uh, I know I'm scared, but I got my brother with me. I know if I, I know if anything happens, he's got my back. And I know there's someone walking behind us even greater. And that's God. When you're on a mission for souls, as insecurities begin to raise up, and fear begins to raise up, there comes a day when you got to bust through the door and say, I know I'm uncomfortable, but there's a soul. Ah, I know there's a, I know there's a strange substance coming from there, but, 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 but there's a soul and you can, and you, you can smell the fragrance of a lost soul. You can, you can smell the fragrance of a lost soul. There ain't nothing else I want to smell. I want to smell the fragrance of that lost soul because we are destined to reach. We, we are destined to reach those souls. And we busted through the first door of insecurity. And we, and we busted through the first, the second door of fear. Yeah. And then we busted through the third door of condemnation. Listen to me. When you are seeking souls, the spirit of condemnation will attack you more than anything else. The devil will begin to whisper, I know what you did last week. I know what you did last year. I know what you did yesterday. And you're not good enough to reach those people. Come on. And there's some times where you got to bust through the door of condemnation and say, devil, get thee behind me. There's a lost soul. There's a soul hanging in the balances of hell and heaven. And I might be the only person we might be the only people that are willing to buzz through those doors and say that soul is worth it. And we begin to walk into that apartment complex. The first door that opened up was that crack den. And when you open up the door, what you see will scar you. You got people that are overdosing on a couch. Mamas that are lining up lines to snort as their baby's crying in the corner. I can't make this up. And we knocked on the door. 
And they begin to open up the door, and their eyes were real bug-eyed. They weren't expecting visitors that day. Sinners don't expect somebody to reach for them. Because you're caught up in the whisper. The, the whisper that says, just hide out a little longer. The whisper that says, don't tell the brothers what you're going through. And there might be some people in this room tonight that are going through that whisper. And God's waiting for that child of God to raise up a shout and say, devil, if you want me, you got to come get me. Folks, there is, uh, the presence of God is in this place. And his hands are stretched out wide. Because he realizes that so many people in here are on their way to eternal damnation. And that warlock tried to distract the church because he realized that there's something powerful getting ready to transpire in Wichita. And he says that church has got people that are more powerful than I am. They may not know it yet. I still got them in a whisper. I'm still whispering to their ears. And, but it can only go so much longer. It can, I can only whisper so much longer. I feel a... There's somebody in this building tonight that God has been dealing with you. And at night, the whispers of the devil have become so loud that the voice of God has been drowned out. And you know what you got to do. You know you've got to make it to the house of God. And some of you have told yourself at night, oh, what would I do if I could just feel the presence of God just one more time? If I could just feel it one more time. I'm interceding for a soul right now that's in this congregation. That if God were to come back right now, you might not make it. This could be your last night before God comes back. This could be the last minute before the sound of the trumpet blows. And your soul is in the balance between eternal damnation or eternal life. And your soul is caught up in the balance. 
I'm reaching for somebody right now. <laughs> that you're tired of living the way you've been living. That you're tired of going through the same old sin every day. It doesn't seem like you can break the cycle of sin. Oh God, I bind the spirit of lust right now in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of fornication. I bind the spirit of adultery. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you guys for joining us today. I hope this message has been convicting and put a burden in your heart to win lost souls. Before we go, I'd like to shout out two podcasts. First one, the Uplift Podcast with Nathan Beeler. Absolutely amazing podcast. And the second one is the Search for Truth Podcast with Brother Dusty Young. Brother Young, just been going ham right now on apostolic doctrine in the new birth experience. Before I go, just want to say one more thing. You have purpose.